Welcome to the Salty Dogs Podcast. Los Perros del Salto. Yes. Cast Pato. I don't speak Italian. Um, well, neither those do were, I. Those were beautiful, elegant words. Nine. Guten Tag. Uh, Hola. Pasta. Konnichiwa. Carbonara. Pasta carbonara. <laughs> taco oh, Tico. Oh, dude, some Taco Tico sounds... I do not like Taco Tico. Anyways, oh, we're not going to start off by talking about Taco no, Tico. Uh, what I, I was... like authentic tacos. I don't mind. Describe your favorite. Describe the best taco. Which taco? We've had this conversation. Which taco is the best taco? What's the one that we used to go to before Tumi? The one that's right by there. Gosh, you would ask me that. Um, Tacos Raimundo. Yes, Tacos Raimundo. Is that your favorite? Probably that I've had so far. Okay, so like our our listeners who aren't from Wichita aren't going to know anything that we're talking about. So you have to describe that taco. Okay, so the best taco, and and if you have your idea of a best taco, drop it uh, and engage with us online. Sorry, podcast listeners, people, you can't do that. But or you can send us a mail, drop it on our Facebook thing. Salty Dogs Podcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your best taco. Tell us your favorite talks. But my perfect taco would be a corn tortilla. Carne asada. Carne asada. Yep. Okay. Uh, I would do white raw onions, mm-hmm. cilantro, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. a little hit of lime, or okay. a, a line of lime across salt. the type, yeah. and hit it with a little with bit of salt. salt. Any yeah. kind of hot sauce on it? Yeah, if it's going to be hot some sauce, salsa. it's got to be green. Some salsa? It's got to be some green hot sauce. So I would say I would say ditto. Gosh, that's good. I would say ditto to mm. that, except I would do um, some marinated pork. Oh, that's good, too. Yeah. That would be my second. Oh, my gosh. I want tacos now. And then my, actually, maybe even better than that would be barbacoa. Barbacoa. Uh, okay. Do you remember? Barbacoa, you ever go cilantro, in, salsa, cebolla, the, yeah, corn tortilla. Uh, all of that. Yes. Yes. This podcast got really Mexican without Casey. Here. Do you remember that that pay, that place, uh, La Casita in Houston? No. The little It's a little place out like where my dad used to live. Mm-mm. In the Mech, oh my gosh, it is the best yeah. barbacoa you will Sorry ever have. Sorry about our net or international listeners <sighs> and people who aren't from Houston or Wichita. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, man, now I'm hungry, dude. This is why we haven't blown up, is because we're <laughs> we're not catering to a national to the well, audience. Listen, everybody can get with the taco conversations. That's what I'm saying. I don't know that there's. Well, my sister in law says that she does not like uh, tacos. She says they're evil, but she likes burritos. What? Yeah, burritos are good. They'd be good. I dig a burrito. I do like some burritos. What I was going to ask you is, uh, you probably don't have this, and this is really random, but every time after the podcast episode, when I leave, I stop at Quick Trip, and I get, this is why I'm overweight, I get get three things. Oh. I get uh, a large strawberry and kiwi Snapple, two- Every time? Every time. How much sugar's in the Snapple? I don't know. Holy! I don't drink the whole thing. Goodness! In one sitting, uh, but I so I do that. I get that. I get two of their buffalo chicken rollers. Those Dude. things are good, bro. And then I get a bag of chips, whatever it is. Every time after the every podcast. Every time after the holy po- crap! This is once and every we're usually two weeks. Done like at nine thirty or ten, like central bro, standard I'm time. Hungry? I'm yeah. Oh my gosh! All <sighs> right. Well, this is the podcast. Casey isn't with us. He is not with Casey, us. Casey, we miss you. He's in Tulsa doing tree things. He's uh, he's climbing. Through the swinging, through the limbs, and swinging uh, through the trees, swinging the uh, the old chainsaw. Does he use a chainsaw? He does. Casey has like a thousand dollar chainsaw. It's probably more than that. Who's your saw guy? Who's your Who's your chainsaw guy? I know you probably don't want to get into it too much right now because Casey's not here. <clears> but but you guys just had a trip. Yeah, we went to Colorado. Shout out to Jesse and Dennis for meeting us there. Yeah, Jesse is a listener of the podcast, and he reached out to Casey on Instagram when we made the. 
the uh, open invite to all of our listeners to go with us to Colorado to Westcliff to conquer the Phantom Terrace. Did and, you conquer uh, it? Dude, we did. We did. Previously, I, uh, it had conquered you. It Previously, it conquered me. I didn't make it. Can I tell you, I was right there. You were right at I the cusp. I was right there. You really were. I was like ten a 10-minute 10 hike from... No. Getting to the yeah, it was like you didn't even cre- realize it. No, I didn't realize there's it. a message in there somewhere. There's there's totally I have all kinds of like preacher <laughs> symbolism, sermon illustrations. Sermon illustrations right. Yeah, local pastor goes on a hiking trip to have sermon illustrations. Right, local so, pastor uh, gives birth to three kids and local, now has uh, three years worth of content. Earlier I said marinated pork. I should it was it's al pastor like mm. al pastor. Pastor, that's the good meat. If you were still a pastor, that could be your nickname that they called you, Pastor Al. Al. Pastor Al, yep. yeah, you know it's a thing. You let know, me, you know. Uh, what let it me is. get them their uh, Pastor Al tacos. <laughs> and tell you how many times I've heard that. That was racist. No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was racial. So what is what? you know? Don't. Kip, okay. No. All right. No. We're not doing it. No, we're, we're not. not doing Actually, it. Actually, yes. Go for it. No, I just was gonna say, like, do you think it's possible to make a racial comment without it being racist? You can, right? Like, I think if you are saying it between the same race, yes. Really? Yeah. Outside of that, it's probably racist. But if I'm just saying there was an African American man, that's not racist. I'm. It's racial because I'm. No. Well, that's no. That no. Okay. Well, Dion was talking I mean. about that. He's saying like we make things ra- about race when race when it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are we diving in tonight? Uh, you didn't say. One, I was gonna have you say. Darren called you a racist. <laughs> what's one Darren good Ubers. thing that's happened from the uh, on that trip? You climbing the Phantom Terrace. Oh, freaking everything, man. I came back changed. You're a changed man, so I should we save that for another man. episode? Yeah, we definitely should. I'm going to talk a little bit about the trip oh, tonight, in this episode. Yeah. Just, I'm not going to go into all of it. Right, right. Uh, we're supposed to do an episode where we kind of break down the trip and everything that happened. It was a, it was a good time, a good time with the guys. Uh, the one good thing is that I actually trained for something that I then accomplished. You defeated the Phantom Terrace. Yeah. I mean, I busted ass. And I know then, you did, And man. then I hurt myself, and then really I had good. to do... All of the Jesus healing and all of the like you chiropractor the, and yeah, the massage. Shout out to and your, the, yeah, your I did team. that whole thing. You had a whole team behind you. I did have a whole team behind me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. I paid them. That's <clears throat> for sure. But anyways, it was good, man. It was really good to um, to go on the trip. Heck and yeah, man. So we did, just for quick, we did 12.3 like, mile loop, six hours up. It's, it shouldn't take that long, but we had a group of guys that... You know, everybody needed to rest at different times, that kind of yeah. thing. And then three hours down that were hell, but I pushed myself hard. I've ever pushed myself before. So I'm, pr- I'm proud of you, man. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. I can't wait to hear Casey talk about it. I'm sure oh, yeah. dude's got some vision yeah. kind of breathed into him, mm-hmm. breathed into him. So. Yeah. So Ascension Ministries is actually a thing now. We've got a, Should we, we have look a logo. Into the camera while we, we have talk? a logo. We can. Yeah. We, we have a logo and, um, we have a logo and stickers, so it's an official ministry. Apparently, that's all you need to start a ministry. <laughs> it, I mean, it's is the same lo- thing with church plans. All logo, you need is a logo, you need is a, a, logo and a website, and some stickers. And to really make it an official church oh, gosh, plan, here we go. you need to at least have one Facebook event uh, that is like a barbecue of some sort at a park. Mm-hmm. Now, you're going to want to make this seem very community-focused, but you got to have the bait and switch. So oh. it's it's got to be about, hey, everybody, come out. We want to meet you. We want you to join our team. And but that, my friends, is... 
is why we call this podcast <laughs> the salty I'm not done. Dogs. I'm not oh, done. Here he goes. So then don't do it, Chris. Then don't do when it. they come and you give them a free hot dog and you find out that they're from another church, you actually disengage with them because you can't recruit <gasps> them to your flock. Oh did I go too far? I'm sorry. Oh snap. <laughs> and we prayed that the Lord would hold our tongue. That was a joke. Uh, it, it was a uh, joke, but it was it's true. You know it's true. No coarse language or harsh joking, <laughs> Christopher. Christopher. Oh, man. Dude, I just have to say, so if you're listening and you've not watched us live on Facebook, just have to say that it looks really good today. Yeah, he's he really stepped it up. It freaking looks great. You Anyways, really did step it hope up. it sounds good too All for right. you listeners out there. To so jump what are we into calling our this? topic? So stop. We called this stop putting God in putting a box. Putting God in a box. Bro. Broham. Brosif. Bro, Brosif. Stop putting God in a box. Brosif. Broberham. Brochacho. Broski. Brodis. <laughs> do not do it. Do not put God in a box. Why? <sighs> so. Why is this on your heart tonight? So this, well, number one, we've been having some conversations about, about, uh, really the phrase supernatural possibility. Um, maybe you could even call this spiritual possibility. I don't know if you, you like one of those better than the other. Supernatural but, possibility. But we've been having conversations about supernatural possibility. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting. We read the Bible and we, for some reason, can like get on board with supernatural things happening in the Bible, like in Bible times and anything like that. But the minute that someone begins to say that, oh, I'm experiencing you know, things like this or visions or blah, 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 or whatever they hear from God. You know, people really get triggered when you say God told me, you know, like people really don't like that phrase. So this is on my mind because we've been having lots of conversations about supernatural possibility. And we make the phrase that like, and some of you may remember this, like growing up in church, like we make the phrase, God is so big and he is so powerful. He's so mighty. He Mm -hmm. can do anything beyond uh, what you can ever imagine or think. So let's let's just read Jeremiah 29, 11. No, it's. (laughs) Well, there's that one. There's that one too. No. So um, this is one of my favorite verses, actually. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all more than all we ask or imagine according to his work that is or power that is at work within us. So he's able to do far more than we can ever ask or imagine is what that scripture says. Yeah. Well, it, immeasurably, I mean, it, it lays it out there, but then we try to put measurements on it. Do we? I, I, well, I mean, I'm not saying we, like I think how? that there's a sect of people that, that they, <clears throat> It's interesting because so often I see people normally on social media that will talk about God in such a way that is like, oh, he's so good. He's so great. He's so, you know, he he, he can't be limited. He's, you know, he can do anything. I mean, it's that whole verse that we just talked about, mm-hmm. but yet, yet they will limit him with their words, by their experiences, um, maybe sometimes even with scripture, they'll try to contain God within their paradigm of what might even be uh, their denomination, mm-hmm. um, all of that stuff. And so it really sucks for someone who may be having experiences that you've never had before mm-hmm. to to like begin to talk about those. They're like, oh man, hey, I'm like having these experiences with God and he's showing me this and he's bringing revelation and he's, he's doing this in my life only to then have it shut down when someone says, actually, I've never heard of that in the Bible. 
Oh, I've yeah, also where, never that in scripture? I've also never experienced that, and I've actually never heard of anyone else ever experiencing that. So I'm going to go ahead and write you off and say that the things that you are experiencing are not of God. Yeah. And so in that way, we kind of put God in a box. Yeah. Well, number one, I think people do that because there's a fear of being wrong. Right. <laughs> wrong or right. Wrong or right. No, there, there's a fear. Um. And also, I mean, I, there, there are all kinds of point for us to unpack it here there, a little bit. Yeah. We'll write it down so we can come back to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, <laughs> but, I'll write it down. But I mean, you're, there is this idea of people who look at scripture and it becomes the authority and the, um, end all say all on what is and isn't possible in the life of a Christian and in the way that we experience God. So careful there. So the way that God has revealed himself and the way that he has acted in the past sets a standard for how he will act and what he will do in the future. Right. We, there is a belief that everything about what is revealed about Yahweh in the scriptures is like the end all is the absolute 100% revelation that God has given to man and that he has instructed man by his spirit to record these things down so that we have an accurate depiction and representation right. of who he is so that nobody, you know, goes astray or whatever it yeah, is. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm not necessarily saying that I ascribe. You're saying that this that is this, a, this is a, a thing. This is a, a thought process, mm-hmm. a paradigm yes. uh, that exists. And I would say that at one point I fit into that paradigm or well, sure. ascribe to it or believed in that paradigm. Yeah. So would you say you were in the same boat? Oh, absolutely. So here might be an interesting place to, to kind of dive into this. When did that change for you? Like when you no longer in in the box that we're talking about is, is using scripture as the end all say all it is 100% complete. There is nothing, no spoken. I mean, God has stopped speaking. Everything that he said exists in the Bible. We don't need anything else. It's all there. It's all said and done. Right. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. As a one of. As one of what? Like one of the viewpoints that someone can take when they're talking about the Bible. Yeah. So, man, this is a tough one. I didn't know we'd be getting into this. Well, I don't know. I'm just just saying, what was the shift? What was the changing point for you? So there were multiple things that happened. But number one, I had to begin to wrestle with my stances on scripture and my stances on what was possible possibility, right? Possibility that that's the main thing that changed is I began to rather than say what's scriptural, I began to ask what is possible. Right. And so that's people are going to call that a dangerous place. Right. That's fine. I live on the ice, bro. Yeah. People <laughs> faith, are going to faith pe- exists people on will, the ice. People will get Get like, oh, brother, I'm concerned for your salvation because and I'll of say, that. And I'll say, first off, get your hand off me. But, I don't yeah, but, but my question is, right. what is possible? And I, I need to try and articulate this as, as best as I can. Because I'm not, 
I'm not interested in telling people that they're wrong. Yeah, and that's and I'm I don't in, want to get I'm into that territory either. I'm interested in presenting ideas and concepts and questions that may help you wrestle with why you think the way that you do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm not doing that because I'm saying, well, you're wrong and I'm right. My journey, you're asking me about my journey. Your journey, your <clears throat> My journey, journey has been that there are people around me that I know and love very closely, wife, sister-in-law, <clears throat> friends and family, mm-hmm. yep. who began having what I would call supernatural experiences. Now, mm-hmm. before you freak out about that, the entire Bible is filled with supernatural, with supernatural experiences. experiences. You know, what's interesting is that, um, you know, we, we've referenced the, the Bema podcast, you know, yeah. all the time. One of their, within their first 10 episodes, one of the things that they talk about is, oh, I wish I could remember what they called it, but they basically called it this, this kind of experience that you can have with something when you see it over and over and over again, it kind of loses its shock value. So to give you an example, we hear the story of Adam and Eve, right, in the garden, walking in the garden, and nothing about that story seems out of place to us. But you take that, if you were raised in the church, you kind of grew up in the church, it's like, oh, that's Adam and Eve, and there's a serpent who's walking and talking and and thinking and feeling and emoting and and doing all of these things, and there's nothing weird about that. You kind of become numb. You become numb or it just becomes like, Oh, that's the story. And you don't realize anything different about it. And so, and, and so I think that we become numb to the fact the Bible is a supernatural book of supernatural occurrences. And so the minute that you begin to dip your toe in supernatural things, it's like, whoa, whoa, people freak out. They get a little weird, but then it's because it's like, okay, listen, if you want to go there, like the whole foundation of our faith is the fact that a deity, God, Mm -hmm. an invisible, an invisible being became breath, God, visible on earth and took took shape, human shape, Uh lived a perfect life, did lots of supernatural things on earth died and then came back to life and then flew up into heaven. Like (laughs) it's supernatural. It's all supernatural, right? It's all supernatural. Yeah. So, I mean, yes. So what, so you said you began to have these experiences. So, so let's just kind of talk about this a little bit. And, and this is where I, where I kind of get excited. So I've recently started a class called beyond limits, a scriptural journey into supernatural possibilities. Mm. And it's this idea that you look at the entire narrative of scripture. You look at the way that God has revealed himself to mankind over time and all of the experiences, all the interactions that God had with man throughout the course of history of him revealing himself to people. Right. And so what you begin to find is that, the the scriptures are are riddled with this this invisible god revealing himself to physical creation so there's a there's somewhere where the physical and the spiritual realm they meet, meet right i mean even um jesus said he talked about you'll see uh angels ascending and descending, descending to heaven yeah right to from earth from to heaven. heaven to and from heaven i mean there's there's all kinds of stuff i mean moses there's a burning bush um Lot's wife turns into a pillar of salt. Angels destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, Moses strikes a rock and water comes out of it. Moses stretches his staff over the water and it parts. I mean, right. you know, you put blood on a doorpost and then the angel of death and passes an angel, over a supernatural people, being. Right. Is you it, know. Go read Ezekiel. Go read Daniel. Daniel's 
Daniel is Dude, visited. Daniel is like a freaking horror movie. Daniel, I know. Daniel's <laughs> visited by this like mega angel. And all he did was pray for insight into a vision that he got. Supernatural vision. He asks God for insight. A voice commands an angel to reveal to Daniel what that vision actually meant. I mean, yeah. It, it, what, so rather than what we've done in the past, what I've done in the past, then read the scripture to look at and say, well, that's not possible. Or is that we want to ask the question, is that biblical, right? You have a supernatural experience. And I say, well, how's that biblical? And my question is, how is it not biblical? If you're reading scripture to figure out how to box God in, you're doing it wrong. Well, but you know, I think some of that comes from, you mentioned this earlier, like fear. So I think that people do have fear, you know, like where we grow up in a day and age where you hear a lot of pastors say the phrases, watch out for, watch out for them false teachers. Watch out. for oh, them. Yeah. They're going to get you. Yeah. The, the wolf in sheep's clothes, you know, that whole thing. And that's a narrative that exists within the church. And I'm not, you know, I'm, yes. Okay. We take the warnings seriously. Let's, let's watch out for false teachers. Sure. But I also think that what, what, qualified someone as a false teacher in the Bible age and what Uh, qualifies someone as a false teacher now are two totally different things. What qualifies someone now as a false teacher in many people's Christians viewpoints is someone who does not agree or think the way that you think. Yeah. Heresy is any belief or doctrine that you hold that triggers me. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so what, what ends up happening is, is we have people who are terrified to wrestle with God, mm-hmm. who are terrified to yeah, wrestle fear. with topics because they don't want to get it wrong. Right. Maybe some of that involves fear, like they think God is going to smite them, or they they were raised to believe, like, I don't know, one of a thousand things. So you have Christians who want to wrestle with topics like homosexuality or race stuff or uh, heaven and hell, like all of these, take all the hard-hitting topics, whatever you want them to be, take yeah. those topics and People don't feel like they can wrestle with those when in Jewish culture, mm-hmm. right? In the oh, time yeah. that the Bible was written, yeah. it was all about wrestling. Jesus never, I mean, I don't want to say never. Jesus often did not give straight answers to things. Mm-hmm. Hey, God, what's so-and-so? Oh, well, the kingdom of heaven is like, yeah. or it, you know, he liked people to wrestle with things. He wanted them to to do that because in wrestling, there's growth. There's faith that has to be, de- mm-hmm. be developed. When If you know everything, I, and I'll even make this statement, and here's kind of where I'm at with, I see people, uh, what will I call them? Keyboard warriors, maybe for the kingdom, <laughs> kingdom keyboard warriors, kingdom, right? Yeah. Like these people who are, are shoving their Bible into topics about race and this and that. And, and, and sure there's a place for that or, or just any topic, any hot button topic. They, I was going to say they're kingdom keyboard knights. <laughs> KKK. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All these kingdom keyboard I'm knights. Not, I'm not trying to go there. I know. I'm just kidding. Keep going. But I have something to say about yes, the, the yes. wrestling. So. so so there's there's all this stuff that's going on. And then people, they want to like take – so they, they have it all figured out, right? They have it all figured out because the Bible says it. I believe it. Everything that I need to know is in the good book. It's in the word. And so because of that, 
I'm not going to wrestle with anything. And I'm also not going to allow other people to wrestle with things as well. And if they do begin to show signs of wrestling, they're backsliding or they're becoming, um, I should worry about them. I should let them know, Hey brother, I'm praying for you. You're going down a slippery slope. Like there's a lot of stuff involved in that. When the basis of, of the Christian faith, at least in the Jewish culture, and I would even say in Eastern culture is to wrestle. Right. Right. So, what you're talking about a little bit is like this Eastern mentality versus Western right. mentality. We're, we're like kind of going Hebrew yeah. thinking versus There's, Greek thinking. Mm-hmm. Greek is linear. It's reason. It's logic. It's one, two, three, four, five. And so we look at the scriptures and we say one, two, three, four, five, and we close the door. And so what I'm saying is like, as we read through scripture, we look at the entirety of the narrative, we shut the book and then we, we ride the trajectory that the scripture has pointed us on yes rather than shutting it and then you're saying there's a beginning there's an end and we have been able to come to an absolute conclusion on every idea and thought that there mm-hmm. possibly is versus this mentality of continuing to wrestle with it yes. like you said yes so when when um the lord gave his commands here in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 says hero israel the lord our god the Lord is one. That's called the Shema, mm-hmm. by the way. Love the Lord your God with your heart and with your, your soul and with your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, When I think about that, what I love when it says talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk Mm -hmm. along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, this idea that you're continually having conversation about the commands of the Lord. And so I heard a, uh, Andy Springer actually told me this about a, a, a Jew, a female rabbi who, um, is still in the, in Judaism. But basically what she was saying was. Judaism has its heretics, but they're our heretics. Yeah. Dude, I was actually thinking about that statement. Which means yesterday. that they're 100% okay with people of Judaism being a heretic in thought, but continuing to engage with them as one of their own. Mm-hmm. And so I think one they're of the primary out. issues is they're not cast out or exiled. And it is rampant within the Christian faith in Western culture and Protestantism. People get kicked out of churches for not having proper beliefs and doctrines all the time. People get disassociated from organizations for not having the proper beliefs or practices, orthodoxy and orthopraxy. People Mm. get pushed out. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it happens. And it's, it's sad, man, because it's like, there. There's something uncomfortable with wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like there's something uncomfortable with not having everything figured out. Right? Like especially in Christianity. But I think that like when was the last time that you heard a pastor publicly say like, "Hey, I'm I'm wrestling through this or I'm like I'm working through this. I don't have it this topic figured out like this stance, but I'm I'm wrestling through it." And I'm not saying it's completely 100% right. Never yeah. happens, but I don't think it's but the it, common thing. I think it's rare. And I remember the pressures of being a pastor when I moved here to become a church planner and never been in full-time ministry my entire life. And all of a sudden I'm the guy on stage giving the truth. And I think 
that in and of Ooh. itself is the really weight. jacked. They're really jacked up in the first place for me to be this, this the sole this, distributor, the sole distributor of what is truth. Gosh. And so I'm saying, here's what scripture says, and here's what it means, and here's what you should believe. Jesus said, get this. Jesus said, don't call anybody rabbi, for you have one teacher. Jesus said, you have one teacher. Snap. Jesus said, don't Who, call anybody that? father on earth, because Paul, you have one it? father Paul. in heaven. And then he said, don't call anybody instructor. So Jesus said, don't call anybody father, teacher, or instructor, except... People take roles that become, let me instruct you on proper theology. Mm -hmm. Let me instruct you on proper doctrine. Let me instruct you on what is truth. Let me teach you what it, and, and so, I mean, Jesus is saying you only have one teacher, but then we're trying to take this role. Now there's, there's a place for it in the scriptures. And let me just redeem this real quick because people are going to be like, well, what does that mean? So what I believe about the role of a rabbi is what Christ did. Christ took disciples and he began to teach them about the kingdom of God. Kingdom truths. Kingdom truths. There were times where he spoke in absolutes, where he said, you've heard this, but I tell you this. Yes. But he, he always left it open for people to wrestle with it. He always said things like, he who has ears, let him hear. And he always... Er, a lot of times he asked questions or told a story that left it open-ended. So if I, it, somebody would ask Jesus a question and then he would tell the story and he would say, he who has ears, let him hear. So basically yeah. what he did was he fed them some bit of truth or wisdom that was going to cause that individual to wrestle and come to a conclusion. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so Jesus was a rabbi in the sense that he was, he was teaching these things, but there was more to what he was teaching and there was more to the way that he taught than just being just dispensing truth in such a way that it's like, here it is. And that, you know, there it is. Here it is. This it, is the ultimate it, end he, all sale. He helped people journey. He helped people journey he into did. understanding. And so I think that that is the role of a teacher. Now, if somebody's gifted in teaching, they're gifted in such a way that they can help people journey into truth. And let me just say that Jesus said, I am the way I'm the truth. I'm the life. So truth is a person, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Truth is a person. It's Christ. And he is the one that knows it's this idea of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Mm -hmm. to understand right and wrong versus eating from the tree of life or allowing the spirit to then come live in us who would teach us all things about truth and righteousness and justice. So it's taking the spirit of God in the life of a person to lead and guide them into all truth. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I 100. Yeah. I get it. I get what you're putting down. Right. And and I'm glad that you kind of, kind of redeem that a little bit because, I, yeah. because that's important. I mean, mm-hmm. really what we wanted to do was have a conversation and, and it's kind of taken a life of its own. It's, it's doing its own yeah, thing, but th- this is what conversations do. It, you brought up a really interesting point when you talk about Jesus, like, Hey, here is a, Jesus came you know, and a good example is Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said that, but I say, you know, like yeah. that whole idea. So think about, all of the Pharisees or religious leaders, I mean, whoever whoever is there and exists, um, 
that were well versed in the law, were well versed in the in the scriptures, had memorized, you know, a lot of the scriptures. Like they were, they knew them. Oh, for sure. Forwards, backwards, right. you know, all of that stuff. They would have memorized the first five books of the Torah at least. So they they had that on their side. They had truth. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus steps on the scene and says. He, he flips the truth that they have known and he doesn't like go completely opposite with it. In a lot of ways, he raises the bar In a lot of ways he raises the standard. Like when, when he's delivering the sermon on the mountain, talking about that stuff, but for all pe- for all of these people that had the truth, who knew it, it was all laid out. It was all mapped out. They were not wrong mm-hmm. in their knowing of the truth, but often how they used the truth. Now, I want to look at the woman who is stoned, right? right? The woman is caught in the act of adultery, Love dragged out of her story. house. She's she's there um, on the ground, and they are ready to stone her. Jesus rolls up, and, and we kind of know how that story goes. Yep. Now, these people who held truth, who had truth on their side, uh-huh. had the ability oh, yeah. to weaponize oh, yeah. that truth yep. and to do something with it they and were, to harm a human being with the truth that they held <clears throat> that was right. Yeah. Right. And then Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. But are we going to, I'm now putting words in Jesus' mouth, okay. but what I'm getting at with this is like, are we going to use truth even though we're justified and harm a human being? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to be me to right. this woman? Are we going to be Jesus to this woman? <clears throat> are we going to show love? And And I just see people who feel like they have truth on their side, weaponizing it and beating the crap out of people with it all to mm-hmm. prove their point and to, because and, they are the bearers and, of truth and they because feel, they have truth and they feel justified and they feel justified because the, the truth or the Bible is on their side. Right. And when you have the Bible on your side, like you can do kind of whatever the hell you want, right. In the name of Jesus, <laughs> because you feel justified in that. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I promise I'm not mad. I just, I just yeah. talk loud. So no, no, that's fine. Here's another thought about truth. And I know you have something you want to read. I have lots of scriptures. Here's another thought on truth. Let's say that you feel one way about XYZ, and I feel another way about that verse as well. We'll we'll just say it's a verse. Okay. We both feel that we've arrived at truth that Jesus has led us to, that God has led us to. Who is the one that is right? Who's right? Who's right? Yeah. Now take that and blow that up on a mega level with Uh all of the good intentioned, good willed, Jesus loving, God fearing men and women Mm -hmm. who who lead congregations. Which of them is right? Who's right? Is is there a space in Christianity where they're all right? Mm -hmm. Is God? And let me let me get back to a little bit about about us putting God in a box. Can God lead people to different understandings? Is God so big that he could do that? I I don't know. I'm not saying yes, but I'm not also trying to put God in a box. I I agree. It, that, that's a difficult one. I think we had the conversation before about like objective versus subjective truth. Mm -hmm. And, and it's this word, this word truth is, it's kind of a, um, it's a word that is kind of hard to get a grasp on because People, when you say truth, it's either this or it's that. You're right. Pastor Dion preached a really good sermon this past Sunday. He said there's a difference between being right and a difference, or a difference between being right and being wise. Ooh. Just because you're right doesn't mean 
that it's wise. And he gave this, this example. He said he saw on the news where there were these young, like early teen African-American boys who were in their neighborhood and they were walking near a park with a BB gun. Right. Is it wrong to walk around with a BB gun? Nope. Is it wise in the current climate of America to walk around with a B, with a BB gun near a park if you're an African American male? Probably not. It's probably not. He said just because they were right, right doesn't mean that it was wise. It was wise. Yeah. And so just because you're right doesn't mean that what you do is wise. Mm-hmm. And it was a really great sermon. It made me, it made me think a lot about that. And Jesus in that moment was wise enough to put it back on the Pharisees and say, well, he who has no sin cast the first stone. Cast the first stone. Yeah. He knew that that act of wisdom was going to cause those Pharisees to walk away. If you think about Solomon, Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom. He gave him wisdom. The first thing that happened is these two women come into his, his court and one woman is saying, that's my baby. And the other woman is saying, no, that's my baby. And he said, okay, bring the baby to me, bring a sword and we'll cut the baby in half. And each person will get a half of the baby. And the woman whose child it really was bowed out and said, she can have it because she valued the life of the baby mm-hmm. over actually having the baby. So he knew that the woman who said, okay, that's great. Let's do it. Right. Wasn't the actual mother because the love of the mother wouldn't allow that to happen. It was wisdom in that moment. Yep that was able to intervene and, and kind of deescalate that situation. But I think this whole idea of truth and wisdom, it's not all, it's not always enough to just be right. To just be right. I mean, you can, you can absolutely sin in your rightness. Absolutely. And, and I would, I would say that a lot of the people that I see that are these, would you call them night keyboard warriors? Night, (laughs) kingdom keyboard nights, kingdom keyboard nights. A lot of these people that are like taking up what they believe to be the work of the Lord and going to town and sharing truth online, they believe that it is a sin for them to not share the truth. Mm -hmm. Yet, oftentimes, what it seems like to me is that things get really heated, emotions get high really rude words get said. When was the last time that you've ever engaged with someone on social media? And I'm not saying it's not possible, Mm -hmm. but, and you're going back and forth in long six paragraph messages that you are able to be calm, loving, see that person the way that Christ sees them. It doesn't happen very often. It's not very often. And so often in your quest or conquest to be right or to share the truth, you will actually sin. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. if that's the and case, is it wise to engage in those things? I've said, and my other question, even, or my other point, not even wisdom, but love. So you can be right and be unloving. Oh yeah, 100%. Scripture says, you know, love chapter, 1 Corinthians, just go there. That's going to show you what's right or wrong all day long. Because it says, love holds no record of wrongs. So if I'm bent out of shape to just be right, I'm not being loving. Yeah. And to be, I and love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can be right and be unloving, which makes you absolutely 100% wrong. Yeah. But and that's so, a concept that feels, I think, foreign. So if you're holding record of people's wrongs, 
and you're trying to prove yourself to be right because all you care about is being right, well, then you're being wrong. So here's the thing. We can dispense truth, right? Everybody believes in something and people get passionate about, we're passionate about what we're talking about right now. I'm passionate about it, but we can do that in such a way that it's cutting, right? Like Casey will talk Mm. about this all the time. It's good to be passionate. Passion's like fire, but fire outside of being controlled is devastating. Deadly. And so you can be passionate about the truth of God in such a way that you burn people up and cut them down as individuals. Dude. And that's what, and that's what I, I see that happening to so many people. I mean, online, like people that they're like, Oh dude, I gotta, I gotta share the truth. I gotta get it out there. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta defend God. Like they're, they're dissing the Holy scriptures. They, they, they don't know what they don't Mm -hmm. know. And I have to show them what they don't know. And in that it's like, dude, you people aren't showing Jesus to people. And, and I mean, to even get, to even get back to our topic, I mean, it's like, is there a, is there a world? Is there our God? Can, can he exist in a space to where we don't have to defend him? Like we don't have to, yeah. Like I don't think run. he needs it. I don't think he needs us to defend him. Does God want us to be what, the ultimate what, truth sharers on on social media? How how will the world know that we are His disciples? It's by all of our posts and our long drawn out explanations and our exegesis of the text. I'm just kidding. It's love. By <laughs> by our 100 percent correctness about all doctrine and theology within the scriptures for all denominations and all Christians on the face of the planet. Yep, that's it. No, that's not it. It's by our love for one another. So you can, you can hold a doctrine or an understanding of scripture or experience with God or God that I disagree with, but I can still love you. Yes. So doctrinal theological disagreement can exist between multiple believers, but if love exists, even though that disagreement exists, well, then we are still presenting an image that is going to be a testimony to the world that we are his. Yes. But what ha- what has happened, the church has divided all over the place, it, with, over and over with, and over and over again, over the tiniest minute. little minute, what people will call them essential beliefs. A lot of them are non-essential. But we've got all kinds of denominations. But that's where the, the, the denomination split comes from. And the, it comes from right. the differing beliefs. Like, who can I wrap? What church can I go to that believes the most like I do? I mean, every every denomination has a stigma. Them, them, uh, them. What, I don't know. Think of charismatic. Well, what oh, is charismatic? Presby- not Presbyterian. Methodist. Methodist. Presbyterians. Like, oh man, them. They get they get out there. Those oh, are way too yeah. much for me. Or Pentecostals. Oh, you're or, you're yeah. Baptist. You must be a, a racist Republican. Blah 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 blah. Right. Like, there's all of these negative uh, stigmas that mm-hmm. exists, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of people. A lot of times, just because of minute, little, non-essential, differing beliefs, yeah. and it's like split the church and, and it's sad to see. I mean, it really, really so, is. So I don't know if you and I were talking about this, but I kind of landed somewhere um, the other day because we were talking about what is it going to look like for the church to actually like unite? Like, what does that look like? What is unity within the church look like? And I started thinking about it and I don't know that unity is ever going to happen on mass scale in practice. Right. I'm never going to get Number one, I, I'm I'm about to say I'm never going to get Catholics to practice the way that I do. Yeah, there are tons of Protestants who will say that people who are Catholic don't even know Jesus, and I'm like, who are you to even make that decision? 
because you oh, look at dude. their pr- yeah, right. That's, what, what is it? Listen, listen, listen to me. He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. The scripture says that the Lord looks at the heart, but man looks at outward appearance. The primary reason that many people will say that Catholics aren't Christians is because of their practices. Yeah. Their methodology. Their methodology. Because they, well, they confess to the Father and you can just go to the Father in heaven. Yes, you can. But scripture always say, also says, confess your sins one to another. When are you doing that on a normal basis? Yeah. Right? Uh, don't, oh, well, they pray to Mary. Right? Like that's, oh, you know, they're talking to dead people. Well, is Mary dead? Dude, you know what? Do you believe that Mary's dead? You Give know, me a freaking you break. You what's interesting is, um, so we, Anyways, sh- we sh- you know, we're wedding photographers. Sorry, I'm going off. No, you're good. This is, so Lara uh, has been shooting a lot of weddings with me. So, um, dude, we listened to an amazing, I don't know if Catholic people call them sermons or, or I don't know what they call them, but yeah. this, this, this priest message was beautiful. Yeah. It was on love and it was delivered passionately and in like loving. It was amazing. Larry and I walked out and we were like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Yeah. Like, Dude, my, I, I totally felt the father Kim, in that. Like, Kim loves going to Catholic, to, to things at Catholic churches because, listen, if you've never been to a mass, they are so scripture filled. I mean, I get that a Sunday morning at a, at a Protestant church is going to have a ton of scripture. But they, Catholic churches are liturgical. And oh, so, yeah. so they read these passages of scripture mm-hmm. and man, to just like sit under that and hear that go forth. Like that's, it's powerful in, in just in and of itself. Yeah. And so anyways, See, but what, even what, so even this conversation alone yeah. is probably going to make some Protestants uncomfortable. Sure. And it's like, I mean, I'm Protestant. Why? why I'm can't, not Catholic. No, I, I if you're know, not Catholic, you're Protestant. But I'm just, right. I'm just saying like. Or Orthodox, sorry. It, it, this conversation, like, is there a space where we can love Jesus? And is there a space where people who are Catholic can have a relationship with the living God? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to put people in a box and say, nah, cause you don't believe the way that I believe in. Cause you do these it, things differently. Yeah, like yeah, it happens, it, it, dude, I fully 100% believe that there are Catholic people, uh, probably more than a lot of people realize that have a relationship with Jesus. Oh, for N- sure. Now other people, I, I'm sorry, I'm on one. I keep cutting you off. I'm not trying to cut you off. I just need Go to make it. my point. Do you make your point? So my point was that we're never going to unite around practice. Right. Like, I think we will once God's kingdom comes fully and heaven is fully manifest on earth. Right. Because scripture talks about how we're all gathered around and there's just so many people who are worshiping the Lord together. Like when we, when we see him as he is and we all worship, it's like all, the of, non-essentials. The, all of the practices are going to fly out the yep. window, you know, or you're going to see Yahweh seated on his throne in all of his glory. And you're going to look over at your brother and be like, why are you worshiping like that? <laughs> be like, what? Dude, dude, stop. Bro, stop, stop you're that. eating a communion wafer? How did you get you a know fl- there's how like you living a, bread here? How did you get a flag in here? Yeah, how did you, <laughs> where'd you get that tambourine? I need you to sing a little bit lower, please. I'm trying to worship Yahweh. Yeah. And you know, but what 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 I'm saying is that I think the unity looks like love and honor. Mm. If I can love and honor my brothers in Christ, and again, we have to get over that hump and actually see those people as brothers and sisters, sisters in, Christ. in Christ, even though they practice differently. Yeah. So I, I have lots of qualms with certain denominations within Protestantism. Mm-hmm. 
typically those who try and take the spiritual elitist platform and dispense truth because they've done all the proper work, the exegesis, they the cultural the, context. They the, have the, the initials the behind study. their name. Yeah, what I mean, not you can have initials. That's great. Jeff Jewett, he's got initials. I love the guy. Indeed. But he's he's loving and he's yeah. kind. Right, right. He's not cutting and he's not a jerk but what, but when he's trying talking. to give truth. And so yeah, I have tough. to figure out how to love and honor those people that I disagree with their practices and their methodologies. <sighs> Dude, I'm it there. It goes back to love and honor. I, f- I how, feel you on You that. see the people on Facebook is part of the reason we're having this conversation because we know certain people who are taking that stance and we see it and it bugs us and it rub- rubs us the long way. Well, I, well, but I mean, the question yeah, is, how do right. I love and honor them? Even though I think they're absolutely wrong in the way that they're um, practicing dispensing truth to social media. I just, dude, I have this, I'm, I'm there with you on the, on the denomination thing. And like, I mean that you, you want to talk about like convicting for me. I mean, yeah, it's like, I, I think I kind of fall in the same vein as you do. And it's like, there are certain denominations that, that tend, that tend to be like, oh, I am the ultimate bearer of truth. You know, all that kind of stuff you were talking about. Like there's something about that, that just, it rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. And I think it's because. When I think of the heart of the father, that's not what I think about. Yeah. Dude, I, it's not like I don't think about the father sitting here going, Chris, you're this, this, you got, you better get in line. And it's just like strict and rigid. And it's like, no, he's loving, he's patient, he's kind, he's he's journeying Gentle. with me, he's walking with me, he's all of these things. And and so for me to then look back at, at people that I see that and to, I guess, even want justice, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, oh, you think you have the truth? Like, let me show you the truth. Like, so. Do you, do you realize that be, because the harsh way, the cutting way, the unloving way typically comes in the form of, well, you've got it wrong. You need to repent. Right. You, right. you need to repent of that. Yeah. That's sin, bro. <laughs> like you better cut that out right now. But when Jesus came, Jesus gave an end. When he's saying repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, he's, he's inviting people to think and live and exist a new way. And he's calling them to kingdom living with Yahweh as king who is a good king, right? Israel would have seen Kings. Israel would have known Kings. Mm -hmm. And so when he says the kingdom of God is here, He's saying that what you guys have wanted is finally happening, yep. but it's nothing like what you thought it was going to be. Gosh. So change the way you think about the kingdom coming because it's not what you thought it was. He's not like ramming truth down people's throats and saying, repent or, you know, burn for eternity. Yeah. You know? Dude, and, that, and that's, that's, what I, that's what I wrestle with is like. I see, and now I'm not, I'm not thinking about individuals, but I'm thinking of, of other people who have been tasked with leading a group of individuals in, in developing a community of faith. Like, Mm -hmm. dude, like people who take, do what you just did, take the Bible, shove it down their throat Mm -hmm. and, and use fear tactics to get people to engage with the living God uh-huh. and they paint this perspective of, of Yahweh that he's this like hateful return, repent, blah, 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 the fire yeah. and the brimstone and this and that. It's like, dude, you are, you are putting yokes on people that you're putting this perspective of the father that the father's like, dude, that's like, 
I, I didn't do that. that. That's not me. It's it, a misrepresentation. Right. And here's, here's the other thing to think about this. And I say this often when I talk about truth. How many times have you ever had someone change your mind? Like in a Facebook thread. Is it more, is it more often than not? No, it's, it's not very often. Right. But there are times where I've had to admit my wrong because I knew I went in with the wrong heart or mentality. But as far as like anybody changing some sort of like core belief, core belief not happening. So because you know who, you know, whose role that is. That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. Okay. Get at it. When have you ever had someone, uh, angrily, Angrily, is that a uh-huh, word? Sure. Angrily, Angrily, call out and passionately call out your sin uh-huh. from the pulpit, and you respond and, then, and repent and turn and are forever changed. Right? Does that happen often? You mean like call me out? But it doesn't happen often. Okay. So what I'm I've had preachers w- preach on sin, and I felt cut. Right. So what I'm getting at is, dude, if truth is going to hit and it's going to accomplish what people want it to accomplish the main source that it comes from when it's life changing and life giving and literally causes you to repent, which is the 180 degree, like literally turning, changing your mind, like your your mindset goes from, okay, I thought this way. Now Now I think think this this way. way. So is when Jesus speaks things to you Uh or the father speaks things to you and he says, Chris, yes, you are being unloving Mm -hmm. to that person. Mm -hmm. Chris, you are being impatient with your children. Hey, but that statement, Chris, you're being unloving isn't in the scriptures. Right. So how do you know that that's God actually speaking to you? If it hasn't been written or spoken before, this is, here's why (laughs) go for it. So John 16 verse 12, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear. Mm. So Jesus had more things to say, but he wasn't going to say them. He's almost saying like, what was his, I have 64 gigabytes worth of information to give you, but you're only an eight gigabyte memory stick. Pretty much. So I need to I'm going to wait. And yeah. <laughs> so he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So who did Jesus say would lead us and guide us into all truth? He's talking about the, H- the Holy Spirit, HSP, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Yep. And he will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. So when someone says, Man, I heard the Lord say, basically what they're saying is the spirit impressed upon me in some way, shape or form, whether it was hearing, seeing, thinking, imagining, whatever it was, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, like every part of our being is capable of engaging with us, with the spirit of truth. Yeah. So whether it happens through our eyes, our mind, our soul, our, our entire being, our entire being, right? Right. So he says, he's only going to speak what he hears and he'll tell you what's to come. He'll glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me and he will make it known to you. So Jesus is saying, I have things to say to you. The spirit of truth is going to come and say those things to you. Yep. That's going to be a supernatural thing. Here's what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, lay it on me. Jesus didn't say, I have more to say to you. And so wait 400 years so I can continue to reveal that to my apostles 
so that they would be inspired to write these things down and then someone would bind them together and print them and put them in your hands so that you would have the words that I needed to say to you that I couldn't say now. Sit tight, buddy. You're not going to make it to when that happens because you're going to die soon. You know what I'm saying? So you're SOL. Yeah. No. So I, if, yeah. if that was the way that God was going to speak to people, well, then they missed it. Jesus made a promise of them that he didn't fulfill if right. they didn't have the scripture in their hands to hear what he had to say, if that's the way that we hear what he had to say. And so what we're not getting at is saying that scripture is not a value, that it um, is not, you know, of, of any of that. I think it's easy for people to hear us completely wanting to throw out scripture when we have these conversations. When when I think we've had these conversations, we've said like, it's about, whoa, excuse me. It's about getting the order right. Like we've taken the voice of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and we've like thrown it on the bottom of the totem pole in terms of, in terms of priority. And we've said the ultimate authority is yeah. the written past tense. Yes word of God, right. the words that he spoke back then, uh, and that, and I'm not saying everybody, but it's most common in right. evangelicals to yeah. go, I mean, that's what it is. It's like Bible is here, you know, then there's, we go down the totem pole and it's like probably Bible pastor, uh, yep. and let's, let's throw so, the Holy Spirit at the so, bottom. So some, some people, maybe they've turned us off by now, but if you're still tracking with me, that this is such a beautiful invitation. This, this is an invitation to know and to experience the living God maybe in a way that you've not known and experienced him before. Tell me how many times maybe you've read through the scriptures and you're just like digging and digging and digging. And you're just like, man, I'm kind of bored of the Bible, but you can't say that or admit that because anybody around you is going to like, you know, look down or you feel bad about that. So you continue to press in and try, or maybe you just give up altogether because you don't feel like there's another way that you can actually know the Lord. Right now, let me tell you, scripture is absolutely valuable. I wouldn't know much of what Jesus said in the past if I didn't have scripture to recall it for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wouldn't know that Jesus said that he would send the spirit of truth to lead or yeah, the spirit of truth to lead me and guide me into all truth unless I had the scripture to tell me that. But here's the thing, the scripture tells me that and rather than limiting possibility, it opens possibility. Yes. Right? It busts the door it, off of it possibility. It busts the yeah. doors of impossibility. Off of yeah, so let me just make let me read this scripture real quick. John twenty one twenty five. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So Did you just make that up? The <laughs> scripture the Bible says There is much more. There's more that Jesus did, but they're they're not written down because there's not enough room to hold it. So what about all the other things that Jesus said? What about all the other things that he did? Are they just not important or is it just, Oh, it's just, it was just redundant. Like we get the picture. Yeah. It was just redundant. No, he did all these other things. How many other miracles? Like, you know, he, he bent down and, and, and made mud out of uh, spit and dirt and then healed a guy's eyes. Like what if he rubbed a leaf on somebody's eyeball or, you know what, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what if he told somebody roll around on the floor five times and then, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like who knows? Yeah. No and so one what, really knows. So nobody really knows, but we, we do know from reading all of Jesus's healings that he didn't do the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. There was no one strategy that he used in order to heal somebody. So if you say, man, the Lord, I, I felt like the Lord wanted to heal this person. And so God led me to grab this rock that was on the floor and place it on the back of that person's neck and then just thank the Lord for his healing. And then he was healed. And you're like, whoa, where's that biblical? Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Yep. Just because you don't see it in the scripture. Well, there's a lot we don't see in scripture that Mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. John John talks about that right right. in that verse right there. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Mm. Who has all authority been given to? Jesus. It's been given to him. And he said, as you do these things, I will be with you even to the even end of the end age. Of the age. Yep. He said, I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to be, the, the spirit is going to dwell within you. Paul talks about this. Anybody led by the flesh experiences death. Anybody that's led by the spirit experiences life and peace. There's a leading by the spirit. And the problem is that we don't trust the spirit in each other. Yeah, I mean, and I would honestly say I think you're right. I mean, that is the problem because what that does is it, I mean, you have to trust people. You have to trust Jesus in them. You have to trust where they're at and, and what they're doing and what they're what they're wrestling with. I think the thing that, I mean, dude, I've, I've and increasingly have had more and more experiences with Jesus and with God uh, that are not found in Scripture but that I have experienced, mm-hmm. that I have felt, that I have heard, that I've sensed, I mean, whatever you want to call it, yeah. seen, sure. that I know if I were to talk about them, <clears throat> people would be like, dude, you are like, what are you smoking? Like, yeah. that is well, that is wild. But I can tell you this, I, I was in a place, and I'm not trying to knock the Bible, but I, I kind of grew up, I spent the second half of, or the my teenage years, probably from 12 years old to, to 18, consuming all content, going to multiple services a week in a church, learning as much as I could, uh, joining leadership teams and youth group and, and being a youth pastor and doing all this stuff, reading the Bible and gaining all this knowledge and listening to sermons. And the intimacy wasn't there. Yeah. The knowledge was there. There was lots of knowledge. The, the there was lots of there was lots of information. There's there was lots of foundational things that were being established. But the intimacy that I heard people say, you know, Christians always like to say, like, well, it's about it's about a relationship, not religion. Yeah. But but so many Christians would then say, like, I haven't felt God God hasn't shown me anything. I haven't had visions. I haven't experienced yeah. anything. I haven't felt anything. I haven't felt his gentle embrace. And and I'm not talking about in a literal yeah. sense, but like in, in the spiritual sense, right? Like if we're yeah. a three-part being, body, soul, spirit, and God is a spiritual being and he can interact with our spirit, man. Like, uh-huh. yeah. And it, it, it just, there's like and, this disconnect and, and then that, that's and, there. And then the argument towards that is like, we live by faith, not by sight. And so we don't live by our feelings and our emotions. And so if you never feel God or sense God, it doesn't mean he's there. And so you're supposed to just have faith and believe that he's there and then live like that. Yeah. I mean, that's the explanation. I mean, textbook, textbook explanation textbook right explanation. there. And, and so my desire in having this, even having this conversation is to not crap on the people who are out there being keyboard kingdom warriors. It, it's to let nights. you, it's to let <laughs> nights, to let people know, like there is more. Yes. We've, we've put yes. God in a box There's more, and there's so much more. There is a relationship that is real. And I'm not yeah. talking about like a lot of times people, when they talk about like relationship with Yahweh, 
like what what they think it is or their experience is God answered these prayers. God did these things for me. Yeah. God came through in this clutch. But it's almost like, you know, having a, a step parent that you have never, uh, they just buy you things and they just give you things and there's no relationship there. Like that's not a relationship. I'm mm-hmm. talking about real experiences with the father, him showing you things, him telling you things like, I love you. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's one thing to hear a pastor say, God, God loves, loves you. you. It's another thing to be in your sin, to feel worthless, to feel mm-hmm. disgusting and to engage with God and have him engage right back and go, I love, I you. love you. It's wonderful. There's power in that. And we've put God in this box yeah. and we've said, you can operate with him on Sundays uh, where two or more are gathered. You can operate yeah. there with him. And it's like, there's so much more like those, those can be good. I'm things. just going to say it. God is still speaking even when the Bible's closed. Yes. God is still speaking even if his words aren't found in scripture. Mm -hmm. He is the living God. He is not silent. He is not mute. And he is not bound by what we say or think he can or cannot do or say. And to bind him to scripture and to say that he isn't speaking is to, is to put limits on God. Absolutely. Is to put him in a box and say, you are almighty and you are all good, but you are only within these constraints. Like yeah. we just have to be prepared and position ourselves to have our minds blown. So, th- so there's a difference between word that is, um, so I've talked about this before, but I feel like I just kind of need to touch on it um, real quick. So there's the word graphe, which actually means like scripture. Yes. So first Timothy or second Timothy three sixteen, which whatever one of those um, for all scriptures, God breathed and useful for mm-hmm. that word. Scripture is graphe. Now there's one, another word that is Rhema and there's another word that is logos. So the logos word is, is and these uh, are these are the words that are used to describe yeah so anytime in scripture where you see the word word like we we like to say the word of god mm-hmm. which we are talking about the bible well when the bible talks about the bible <laughs> the bible when the bible talks about scripture it uses the word graphe it's just written text is graphe that's what the bible is it's just written text god's word is either rhema which is what is coming out of his mouth now or it's logos that was revealed in Christ Jesus. Mm. So you're talking about what in we've the in the beginning was character. the word logos, mm-hmm. and that that word logos was God and was with God, and that word logos became flesh and dwelt among them, and that man was the light of man. So that's all logos. When Jesus says, "Man shall not live," so when it says, "In the beginning was the word, and the word, word was, was with," yeah, 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 that's logos. Yeah. That, and it just means like a word or a thought or a saying. And so God has words and thoughts and he wanted that to be manifest into the earth. And it came in the form of a man, not in the form of a book. Right. So, yeah. So when Jesus then goes on to say, man will not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, that's the word rhema, which means a word being spoken, active, present, tense, powerful, right now. Rhema word. So man will live on bread alone. Use or uh, man will not live on bread alone. He will live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that is the rhema. It's God's rhema word. It's the creator speaking to his creation. When God speaks, there's life. When God speaks, there's light. When God speaks, there's love. 
right? And so it's like it's his word is <clears throat> it's this is when, and this is when we talk about the living, right? The rhema. We're not talking yeah. about the graph, the graph, no, the graph scripture. But that's what so many people like to do, and they like to talk about the the scriptures as if they are the living word. They are the living word. They are now the rhema can, that God spoke of. Now he can speak can through speak through them. He can yes, but in in in. It's almost like an all or nothing for some people. Yeah. It's like, it's either all about the written word or it's all about the spoken word to, to go one of those routes. If I were to make a statement like, oh, it's all about the spoken word, I'm putting God in a, God box. In a box. Right. It's not about one way to, to think that he could only speak through one way is putting God in a box. Right. And, yeah. And, to, to be the one to determine yes. how he can and cannot speak. See, I'm, I'm. I feel as though I'm opening up the door for God to just be God and do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants to whoever he wants. You know, we always like to talk about his ways are higher than his ways, our ways, his thoughts are higher than their thoughts. But then we like to try and bring those down lower so we can wrap our minds around yes. them. And and some of that's going to happen just because we're human beings. Yeah. Like we, I mean, in, 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 we have a desire to understand, we want to understand, but in our quest for understanding, let's not limit other people from understanding Mm -hmm. and our quest for understanding. And let's even, let me just, let me encourage you to go on a quest. When was the last (sighs) time that you felt like you didn't have everything figured out with Jesus? If you have a stance on everything and you feel like you have it figured out, I might challenge you to seek and ask God, like, God, am I, am I putting you in a box? Like, yeah. I feel like I have a question. I have an answer for everything. Like God is continually, even you and I, dude, we're constantly having conversations via text or phone about God blowing our minds mm-hmm. about things, yeah. bringing new right. revelation, mm-hmm. fresh revelation, yep. not just, you know, the same story that's been taught 20 times about the woman at the well, you know, yeah. like God yeah. still wants to speak to his people now and today. Oh, I learned something new about this conjugated verb. Let me share that with you. I do love those conjugated verbs. I do. The Man, good ones. You're you're right. There is there is a way to know the Lord in such a deep, intimate, and personal way. And that's kind of what I want to talk about right now. If I may, I want to read a scripture. Yes, go for it. And then I want to tell a story. And we've talked about this before. If you're enjoying this particular episode, go check out Experiencing God from season three with mm. um uh, deep voice, uh, Derek Shore. Oh, Derek Shore. I love Derek. Um, check that one out because we talk a lot about this, but we explore this idea of knowing Jesus. <clears throat> and so right. let me read John eight thirty two. It says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now we all know that Christ is the truth. And when we know him, he sets us free. It's for freedom that he has set us free where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there's the spirit of truth. And when we know that truth, we know freedom. Yeah. And so this word, you will know. Look, I'm telling you, scripture is useful. I'm looking up Greek words to give us deeper understanding into what this means. Yeah, for sure. But it's only a platform for us to launch into the actual knowing. Yeah, it's, 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 the, it's the starting line. It's, it's the, the starting, starting point. It, it's not, it's not, it, God isn't. So it's almost like this. It's almost like what I do to you. Constantly interrupting you. Scripture is God speaking. And then there is a point where God can continue to speak after what is written. Yeah. But if we take it as, oh, he said it, it's good, it's done. Where it's like we're cutting God off. Yeah. It's, and he has more to say. It's a starting line. Again, 
It, let me challenge you to look throughout the narrative of Scripture, just the I use this phrase, the entirety of the narrative of Scripture, and look at everything that God has done, and then shut the book and ask yourself, what is possible? Everything is possible. Anything is possible with God. Anything is possible for him who believes. With God, all things are possible. Now to him who is able to do far more, far beyond, we can even think or imagine or ask. God can do beyond that, far beyond what we can even conjure to think. So if you've conjured a box to put God in, he can do far beyond that. That's what scripture says. Mm -hmm. And he does it by the power of the spirit in you. It's that spirit of truth revealing, continually revealing who God is through that, that communion, that intimate relationship. And it, and it sets us free and it takes us farther and farther and farther into what is possible. Jesus said the faith of a mustard seed, you could throw a mountain into the ocean. Who believes that? Right. Who do you know that's throwing mountains into the sea? <laughs> How many mountains have you thrown today? Oh, well, the Bible says, well, have you thrown a mountain into the sea? Get out of here with that less than a mustard seed faith. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Anyways, that uh. I fall into that category too, but let me finish this. <laughs> so you will know the truth. That word know is gnosko. Yeah. Let me tell you, there are multiple words for know in the Greek. One is a know that is an informational. I have the knowledge I acquired. Have, I have knowledge. acquired an understanding with my mind. You have given me information. I now know. Did you know that two plus two is four? Yes, I know that. I did. Have you ever experienced two plus two? Whoa. Whoa. You ever seen the back of a dollar bill? You ever seen the back of a dollar bill on weed, man? So this word gnosko, know, means to come to know, recognize, or perceive. So the word gnosko means to know, especially through personal experience or firsthand acquaintance. Right. It means to experientially know. And it's used first in Luke one thirty four, and Mary, a virgin, said to the angel, how will this be since I do not know gnosko, sexual intimacy with a man? How is it that I'm pregnant with a baby if I have not experienced intimacy? I've not known intimacy with a man. Mm, yeah. It's not, how, how could this be if I don't even know what sex is? Yeah. Knowledge of sex and having sex is very different, my friends. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> You know that from first first hand. I know that first hand experience. Nice. I'm married. Praise the Lord. <laughs> PTO. But seriously, the the word that Scripture uses, we we want to use Scripture for what it's worth and make it useful. Let's look at that word. No, that word. No, to first hand, to have a personal experiential knowledge of Christ Jesus, the truth. And so, what verse were you using this in again, John? The, um, eight is it the you and you 32. will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yes, that, okay. and you will know the truth. You will experience. So you're talking about the truth. So you're talking about the truth as a person. I mean, essentially a person, Christ. Yeah, yeah. You it will goes know on to say where he, you'll, they will know me. They'll hear my voice and they will know. Oh, so me. this is the same in the sheep. Yeah, the sheep will know my and voice. So an ex yeah. it's an experience. Not you will learn about Christ through the scriptures and it will set you free. No, you will experience the living God revealing himself to you and interacting and, and um, inviting you into a relationship. So let me tell this story. Go for it. <clears throat> I, 
you know, we all went on the mountain trip. You're going to keep hearing about it until we're done talking about it. I'm jealous. I went to West Cliff, West Cliff, Colorado. We hiked a 12.3 mile round trip trail that took us up one mountain and we caught, crossed a ridge to another mountain. And that ridge was called the Phantom Terrace. And it was so amazing. And so we took pictures. We got video. I'm even telling you about it now. There is no possible way that even if I was the best writer, I could describe it in such a way that you said, I feel like I'm there, but you, you're not there unless you go there. Yeah. It's just not, you are not going to be able to experience what I experienced unless you go and experience it. So I had a group of six guys and we can all tell our testimony. We can all show our photos. We can show the videos. We can get excited about it. You can look at us and actually say, man, I really wish I could experience that. But unless you go and take the trip and get to the top of the Phantom Terrace and see that beautiful breathtaking view that caused me to weep at the beauty that God created. Hmm. I can't even, man, we came up this ridge and as soon as we got over the top, number one, you I experienced six hours worth of hiking this mountain that was exhausting and grueling. I mean, my heart rate was getting up to 160, 165. My heart's pounding out of my chest. I am like drenched in sweat. I'm like eating honey and taking Advil (laughs) and drinking water. I am physically exerting myself to get to the top of this mountain. And as soon as I come over that ridge, all of that exhaustion... All of that tiredness, I hadn't slept, but maybe, oh, six to eight hours the past two nights. So I was already drained from not sleeping. Yeah. So I'm absolutely exhausted. I get to the top of that ridge is the south side of the mountain. South side. <clears throat> and so all of the wind comes rushing through the bowl of the mountain. <laughs> so I hit the top. I see the most beautiful view of a mountain range I've ever seen in my entire life. Literally the most beautiful place I've ever laid my eyes on in this world. The top of that ridge. I see this. It hits me visually. It hits me physically. All of a sudden I'm not thirsty. I'm not hungry. I'm not tired. I'm weeping, praising God on top of the mountain. So amazing. I had a moment there with him just in creation and, and it was amazing. So what I just did is I just tried my best with emotion, with passion to communicate my experience that I just had a couple of weekends ago. So get this. What did the writers of the scripture try and do? That exact same thing. That exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's adequate? No. Do you think it's enough? It's an invitation. Dude, but so many people have said it is enough. It can't be. It is not enough. It is not and and people have have said it is enough it's not enough and it's not yahweh it, the creator of the universe is inviting you into experiential relationship with him relationship to where he speaks and you listen and you speak and he listens and you weep and he loves and he corrects and he guides and he gives grace and he rebukes and corrects and disciplines it's all of it it's all of the above it's all of it and he invites you into that you cannot live off of somebody else's testimony or their experience. Their experience will never. Paul's experience on the road to Damascus will never be your experience. You can read about it. You can know all the Greek words behind it. You can, you can orate it backwards and forwards. You can preach on it. You can even draw a picture. You can make a movie about it. 
But unless the Lord reveals himself to you and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you hear this sound and you're blinded and you fall to the ground. Like that's not enough. I can testify about Christ, but my testimony is an invitation for you to experience that very God. And so that's the no that scripture talks about. Experiential knowledge, first hand acquaintance. It has to be you. It can't be me for you. It yep. can't be scripture for you. It can't be the prophets for you. It can't, it can't be your be pastor. You. It cannot can't be, be your, your pastor, pastor for you. Let me say that again. It cannot be your pastor for you. And what we've done is we've taken, we've taken, you know, we talk about the Israelites and them leaving Egypt and we talk down about them. Like they're these like stupid people, like, oh, you stupid people. You want a golden calf. <coughs> Yet yeah. we do the same thing in America that they did. What did they want? They sent Moses up to the mountaintop to have an experience with God. Yeah. They didn't want to experience him. They were afraid of they him. They said, we're too so afraid. They sent Moses up there. Moses had the experience and he came down. And in America, what we do is we say, hey, pastor, you got a word? Mm. Hey, pastor, what's God saying? You got a word. Hey, and, pastor, what, right. what's God doing? And then we take the pastor's experience, which, by the way, a lot of pastors are burned out, exhausted, on the verge of, you know, committing moral failure all because they're 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 trying to have their life be sufficient for everyone else Ooh. like and, and i don't say it's that to knock pastors to i'm not trying to knock pastors as much as i am trying to say your <clears throat> pastors are are, are you know trying what? to have their own experiences with god G and you should too yes jesus said don't call anybody rabbi father or instructor because he said why because there's only one father there's only one instructor there's only one teacher but think about the pressure that you put on somebody when you expect them to be those things for you. It's too much. It's, it's too a much. load that cannot be shouldered by any human. It crushes and that people. is why you see pastors burning out, burning out. committing adultery, <clears throat> killing themselves, committing suicide. I mm -hmm. mean, that, I feel like there's a news article every other week about a, about a well-known pastor committing suicide. Yeah, dude. It, it, it is too much. We've talked about this before, but tell me about how healthy your relationship with Jesus was when you were in full-time ministry. You, you want me to tell you that? Yeah. It was non-existent. It, cool. it was non-existent because I was on the ground. I had my nose to the plow trying to trying to work parades and build floats and build a new building and hang ceiling stuff. What is that? What's that stuff? <laughs> ceiling tile? No, not know. ceiling tile. Trying to hang uh rafters. No, the insulation oh, in a insulation. ceiling for a building. Like, <laughs> dude, there, it was not a priority and it was not communicated to be a priority to me. Now, mm. what a lot of people would say, and I actually had someone on that staff say is, well, if you're not taking care of your own business, you know, your own spiritual journey, you can't be on staff. You don't even need, need to be on staff. What? You're telling me that people can't have shortcomings? Yeah. And pursue the Lord. Like, right. dude, I was not in a good place. Yeah. All times in, in yeah. ministry. I mean, same here. I, my relationship with Jesus was pretty non-existent. And the only time I ever had communication with him was when I was asking him for things. Or repenting and feeling <clears throat> like shit. Or repenting. Yeah. Or like Sunday mornings when I'm supposed to preach a sermon and I'm on my knees in the bathroom crying out to God to use me because I feel inadequate and unworthy and unprepared. Talk about a burden. You know what I mean? But then now I know him, mm -hmm. right? Perfect love cast out all fear. You will know the truth, him, and he, the truth, 
will set you free. For the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right? We we don't have to be bound. We don't have to be burdened. We don't have to mm-hmm. be weary and exhausted and, and, and ready to quit. We can exist in a free... Now, not to say that the work of ministry isn't going to be difficult. A lot of times when you're in ministry and you're really doing something, building kingdom you're getting enemy that's coming against you. Right, Our struggles yeah. not against flesh or blood, but powers and principalities. So that kind of stuff, spiritual warfare is going on, probably stuff, you know, just the normal things of the world. But we have the one who we can lean on that will give us peace in the storm, right? That will will give us everything that we need to continue on the journey, that will give us our daily bread, that will continually forgive us our sins, you know, those kinds of things. And oh, it's, yeah. and it's him, but man, I, I, I just hope people are hearing this. I, I can't, I cannot do for you like what I so badly desire that I hope that you could experience it. It takes mm-hmm. right. Blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, for, for the they kingdom will, is there. Yeah, is the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Mm. Right. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Right. No one's ever seen God is what the scripture says, but we have Christ who's the image of him. But then Christ gave us a message and said, if you're pure in heart, you'll see him. Yeah. Right. Like there's just, I, what does that look like? You know, I, again, just going back to, it's that possibility, man. It's like, what is possible? Gosh. Like, let's just not box them in. You know, I think it's, I think there's something commendable about like, you know, scripture says that they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings. So there's this thing in scripture where the apostles are teaching this community of faith. And that has kind of continued now that people devote themselves to like being taught and led by others. And and there's elders and there's deacons, servants, and those kinds of things, fathers in the faith and that kind of stuff. And I think it's important and healthy to have those kinds of relationships to help steer and guide and encourage. But again, that can't be the only thing that happens. Yeah. It has to be needs to be. And the Lord wants it to be first and foremost relationship with him in a real experiential way. You know, I just had this thought I was going to be like, I bet there's some people that are wondering like how, yeah. How, like how, like what is, what does that look like? Because for so long, what people have said is, is they've said, it's like, oh, well, if you're going to do that, you know, if you want to have ex, ex, uh, experiential ex- experiences with God, mm-hmm. you need to pray, read your Bible, worship, you know, Holy <clears throat> Trinity right. of, of Christian things. Go back. Uh, maybe, that. maybe if you are like really spiritual or really mystical or have been cast out of your tribe, you'll do some like, uh, uh, what is imagine imaginative contemplation? Sure. Like you'll you'll maybe do some Dallas Willard and you know mm-hmm. some stuff some like that. Spiritual disciplines, yeah, spiritual yeah. disciplines. But I I I know that there are going to be people that are wondering like how, how what do does do it this? look like? Yeah. to actually well, have like to so, pop the box off of this thing. Sure. Yeah. It's well. Scripture that says Scripture says without faith it's impossible to please God. So you have to, I, I would, I, I, I keep saying have to and need to, I would encourage you to look inward and begin to question where you have wanted faith to be fact. That's good. 
you want to be right. Oh, I don't, I don't want to do contemplative meditation because I'm afraid, fear that I'm going to go off into some I'm going to place like, where I'm, yeah. I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm going to fear. invite a demon into my life or right. something. So we have to believe, Scripture says that without faith it's impossible to, uh, to please God. So we must believe that he created the earth and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Seek him. If seeking him meant something else, they would have said something else. Yeah. What does it look like for you to truly seek God? Like a human, like imagine you were trying to pursue another human being. So when I was, yeah. So I was out in nature one day and I'm looking around at all the trees and you, you know, we're, we're away from civilization and I just had the thought, I thought, man, God, you know, Moses was in the wilderness and he was out there not near a temple, not near a priest, not near scripture, not around anything or anybody. Yet you decided that you wanted to reveal yourself to him, to invite him into your plan. Mm. And so you showed up in a burning bush. You used what was there to reveal yourself to him. I, I said, God, I want to know you. I want to know the God that would reveal himself to me. If I yes. never again had a Bible in my hands, mm. if I never again walked into a church, Come on. some people would call that silly. Well, you do have those things, so you should use them. No, I'm saying I want the living God to reveal himself to me in a living way. Right. Right, the same God that and, revealed himself to Abraham, yeah. you know, to and everybody. And I wasn't demanding it. I was You had a desire. Truly expressing my heart's desire to him. And guess what? That was about the time that things started to just kind of shift. Yeah. Away from like being so rigid in the way that I pursued God and you know, I it it this might sound weird, but I stopped praying out loud. But what I I, I reflected inwardly and I would just like close my eyes and I would begin to speak to the Lord. Yeah. You can, you have an inner monologue in your head and you can hear you. You think he can't hear you. There's times where I praise the Lord with my words. There's times where I say, Hey Lord or Jesus. But then there's times where I just don't say anything. And yeah. I believe, and you know, you are, yes, you are, um, like in community with him. Yeah. Right. And then I try as hard as I possibly can to listen. And then there's the battle of, well, was that him or was that me? Mm -hmm. But just because I may not know in the moment doesn't mean I stop listening or I don't ever do that again. Yeah. It's practice, you know? So I don't know what, what do you do? Get, get out, think of what your box is and then just decide to maybe take a step out. And here's the thing. If you are the Lord's, which I believe that if you've confessed Christ and you are, and there's been like, you know, whatever you, it, I don't want to look on the outside, you know, whether or not, you know, the Lord on the inside. Yeah. If you believe that you know him, and you decide that one day you're you're going to shut the Bible and then you're going to sit and you're going to listen for his voice. Don't you think he's going to honor that? Dude, did I, I think I've told you this before. Like there was a point in my journey, I think, and it's <clears> when, <throat> when I was exiting ministry that, that God told me to shut the Bible. Mm. He literally said, no. shut the Bible wow. and come experience me. Mm -hmm. And even then, it wasn't until years later. You know, a year or two later that that I really started to experience <coughs> like me. the realness that you're talking about. You know, it's funny, I I've stopped worshiping out loud. Um yeah. I've been worshiping inwardly. Things just look a know, little different. Talking don't about they? worshiping. Yeah. I mean just things things just look uh, look differently. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with worshiping out loud. Go for it. That's fine. 
But God, he just wants to bust off the box of our theology of in our denominations. He God doesn't do well with walls. He wants to break them all down. He yeah. cannot be contained. Yeah. And so whatever he wants to do with you, hey, let him do it. Don't be afraid. Don't don't approach God. There's no fear. Yeah. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's no fear that that, that exists yeah. there. But but what has happened? Because perfect love casts out all fear, but we've taught things in such a way that we've told people, whoa, be careful. Mm-hmm. Hey brother, you need to be really careful. Be careful. You're going to do this, you're going to do that, or that's that, and that's this, and oh, be careful. And so then you're just afraid to go that way because you don't want to be wrong. And then the people that told you to be careful, you really care and look up to because they're in a position of whatever. And so, man, I just want to give you permission, like seriously, just permission to experience the Lord, like in the way that he leads you to experience him. Scripture says that in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. And they'll prophesy and they'll have visions and they'll dream dreams. There's nothing in scripture that details what those, what those visions those, what those are, yeah. or dreams or prophecies will be. Dude, and I know we've had conversation about this, but I believe the Lord's pouring out a lot of revelation right now to his people. And there's so many people that are blind and crying because they want to go back to their churches and have their services and they're pissed off that they don't have their kids' ministries and this and that. And it's like, hey, man, that's I'm glad you have a service <coughs> and a church that you can go to, but are you hearing from the Lord? Are you experiencing him? Yeah, that's experiencing him. Are you seeing and tasting that he is good? And you know what? It's like one of the questions that I used to fear the most was what's God saying to you? Because I knew that I didn't have a practice of Because you hadn't been listening. reading your Bible. I hadn't been actually, right. I hadn't been reading my Bible and I felt bad or I wasn't actually listening to what the Lord had to say. But what if the next time we ask somebody, hey, what's the Lord saying to you? And they were like, oh man, yeah, I don't, I don't really know that I hear from him or I just haven't focused in a while. What if just right then and there we said, well, hey, let's just focus and see what he's doing. Dude, you know, yes, I experienced <clears throat> that same thing. Do you know, I think one of the biggest, um, what's the word that I want to use, like detriments to the church today is that its people do not know how to hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. because they've been trained to hear the voice of their pastor, of the words written by the apostles, the prophets, yet they don't know how to hear the voice of God. <clears throat> right, the still I remember small voice. as a youth pastor, that was like one of the questions that I got asked the most. How do I hear the voice of God? How do I know it's God? Like, how do I? And, and once you can kind of flex that muscle and strengthen that muscle and begin to like, move forward and begin to hear that voice and train yourself, that's when the intimacy begins. That's when it happens. That's when it starts. So if you are someone here and you're, and you're trying to figure out like, man, I want to, I want to take the, I want to like bust God out of the box. Like I want to experience him. I want to have these experiential um, moments with God. I would ask you, do you know his voice? Mm-hmm. Scripture says that you, your sheep, you got to pull it up right here. You know, my, yep. my sheep know your voice. You are a sheep. Are you, are you listening? Are you tuned in? Because it, it's, it's there, mm-hmm. it, but it's, there's a little bit of work that has to be done, not striving or anything like that, but it's just, it's building that muscle. It's like your spiritual ears is, is <coughs> what it is to be able to hear and see mm-hmm. the things that he wants you to hear and see. I agree. So my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So Jesus taught this principle, my sheep know my voice. Was he just talking about his disciples? Well, obviously they knew his voice if 
he was there talking to them. Hey, that's right. Jesus's voice mm-hmm. in the flesh. But what does he mean by that? Right? They, we know his voice, and 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 then we follow him. And it's, so it's a two part thing. It's a so, know and then follow. So again, one, we have to ask the question: where where do we draw the line between fact and faith? Well, you know, we have to ask ourselves the question: Have I actually been listening for the voice of Jesus? I mean, it, it's it's simple. And it's a journey. Again, this is all a journey, bro. Like, I, I'm not who I was last year, two years, three years ago. Oh, yeah. And so I'm not saying I have it down either. But Dude, no, what, I, what, I, I'm there. What, what the Lord has done in me is he has began or begun to tear down some walls that I've placed around him before. And so now I am asking these questions. Now I am journeying into that saying, well, what would he have to say to me today? Or what do you want me to do? Or where do you want me to go? Or how do you, how should I love in this moment? Like trying to be mm. led. Those who are led by the spirit are sons of God. Yeah. And so there's this supernatural situation that's happening where this spirit is attempting to lead a physical being. Right. And that sounds wild <clears throat> when you put it in those terms. That's what's but happening. That's what it is. I mean, it's a supernatural experiential deal. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, embracing possibility, what is possible? What's possible? I mean, dude, I think that's a good place to start, like, is to check yourself and be like, man, am I am I limiting God? Am I putting him in these boxes? Am I saying he can't do this? Or do I, you know, it's kind of like realizing, like, you might have some biases. And, and you, you may not realize these things. You got to ask, you got to, again, you, you said this the other day, you quoted me, like, ask Jesus and do whatever he says. Like, mm-hmm. ask him, hey, yeah. do I have these blind spots? Do I have these areas, these Am I trying to put you in a box and what is it? And then listen to whatever he says and then interact with it. That's where true life change comes from. Mm-hmm. The interactings. If Jason, if I were to tell you, dude, you are a butthole. Mm-hmm. Like you are so rude. You are like, oh my gosh, you go <coughs> off on social media and it's the worst. Like you just, yeah. you just beat people up and blah, blah, blah. You were to hear that and you go, okay, yeah, I know that. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to try to do better. But if the creator of the universe, <laughs> if Yahweh yeah. speaks that to hey, you. don't do that anymore. Yeah, and he begins to say those things to you, you're probably going to listen up a little bit more. Yeah. And it's going to be in in such a way that it's loving, yet it pushes you towards change in your life. Absolutely. When the creator when the creator speaks, things happen. It's mm, a good thing. But are we listening? How, I mean, you you're not listening if you don't even believe that he's speaking in that way. You're just not. I I've I've asked the question before. I've made the comment that like you know, I think some people blind themselves to miracles. Like some people will say, well, I don't believe that miracles can happen. Well, if you don't believe it, you'll never see them. And if you do see them, you'll write them off mm-hmm. or you'll explain them away because there's not yeah, faith to present to believe it. And so I believe that I have blinded myself to the miraculous and the supernatural in the past because I've been the first one to say, where is that in scripture? Right. Show me. <clears throat> Show me. <laughs> right. It's like, well, Jesus came to heal the sick. Well, where's that in the Torah? You know? <laughs> right. Jesus, you're not in the Torah. G- Jesus, you're healing, on, you're healing on the Sabbath. Yeah. Where's that in the Torah? You know? So, anyways. Jesus was a trendsetter. He liked to do whatever he's going to do. Yeah. I'm having a lot. I know we've, you know, we're going 
going long-winded. Oh, it's fine. You've had supernatural experiences. I've had supernatural experiences, but they've led us into deeper intimacy with the and Father. that's all it and is. And led us into realness. It's not like pursuing spiritual things. It's just like, <clears throat> hey, listen, I'm like open and God is showing me these things and he's revealing things to me and he's teaching me things. He's showing his love for me in a way that I've never felt it before. It's tangible. Like there, there's so and, much that goes with it. But that only happens if you like take this, like take God out of this box right. and allow and blow so, your mind. So when you began to pursue your wife, your desire to know her in relationship led you to have experiences with her. Yes. It wasn't that you, it's not like you said, you know what? I just really want to go. I would just want to experience going to the movies with Lara. And so then you just went to the movies with Lara, but then you didn't like grow in relationship and there was no conversation. And mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But as you seek the Lord in intimacy to, de- to desire to know him more, again, that gnosko, that know, yeah, that then you will begin to have experiences with him. But we can't, like, we're not preaching a, a, a Christianity of experience. We're cre- preaching the same Christianity that you preach about it's a relationship, not a religion. Yep. Relationship will lead you to experiences. Mm-hmm. But religion will not. It does not work the other way. <clears throat> yeah, it won't. Religion is a terrible God. It's lifeless. It's death. It's it's not good. It's a it's a it's an idol. It's a false god, mm-hmm. and it's not alive, dude. For us not having a topic, <laughs> this yeah. Went, this went well. That was all you, bro. You're the one that you're the one that brought it up. So, all right. Well, that's all I got, man. Dude, I, I just want to encourage people. So, me too. Definitely. So go check this out. Um, like I said, I taught the Beyond Limits class. And so if you go to the source, wichita.com slash beyond dash limits, I do a four-week teaching. It's one hour per week. And I really just kind of dive into, I, here's what it's called. It's called Beyond Limits, a scriptural journey into embracing supernatural possibilities. And so I just walk through a ton of Bible. It's a lot of Bible. It's a lot of Bible that basically just looks at all of these experiences that people had. And my hope is that it just opens the door for people to say, what do you want for me, Lord? And then he just does what he does. And so go check that out. If you guys want, um, I wasn't really wanting to promo that, but I think it can be beneficial for some, for people, some people if they would yeah. actually maybe take a listen. And, and as always, you guys can email us and tell us we're absolutely wrong. And you know, that'll be, that'll be fine too. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't allow anybody to tell me that I have an improper relationship with my wife if I'm living and loving in a trusting, loving kind of way. For so. sure, yeah. It's good All stuff. Right. Miss Casey. Yep. Casey called. He said he wanted to jump on, but I'm going to get rolling. So we get out of here. Yep. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. SaltyDogsPodcast.com. Check it out. Blog, email, contact. Do all the fun stuff. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Yep. Do that. Salty Dogs. Out. Out. Out.